0: the usual places, so if you'd like to pick one of those up, have a lot of useful information in them. If you're one of our Northeast students and you're looking for the rest of the Northeast students, they're over in the annex. So if you'll head down the hallway, all the way to the end, take the stairwell downstairs, go across the little pass-through, that's our annex, and you have just enough time to get over there before the devotional starts. Uh, we rejoice to announce that jason bates was baptized through our jail ministry yesterday Uh, jim and jt have been doing classes over there and having bible studies and we're just thrilled that we've had this response we have several whose health situation has changed peggy roten's now home and we're glad to hear that shirley phillips who's jody smith's mother had a heart attack last week and you know Jody flew to California, Uh, I think Mallory went with her to be with her mom and she ended up with a couple of stints but she's gone home this evening. So we're very thankful for that development. Dolores Griffin who is Linda Griffin's mom is having tests run and they're asking for our prayers. And Jeremy Jones' mother Marilyn, she's injured her back, she has a couple of bulging discs they're gonna to have to treat. The food pantry and the clothes closet will be open in the morning at 9 o'clock. If you're available, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that, it's about an hour and a half of just the, the most fun you could possibly imagine. We just pack it all in there real quick and it's just, it is a blast. So. If you would like to come and help, why are you laughing, JT? If you'd like to come and help with that, your help would be much appreciated. The youth group is going on a canoe trip this Saturday. If you have any questions, you can see Drew Bruce. Drew, can they still sign up for that? Yes, thumbs up. So still some available spots if you'd like to go all ladies and then this is in capital letters and men so the emphasis is please men you come also you're invited to the baby shower for Lauren Brumley and the baby boy this Sunday It's from 1:30 until 3 in the annex now Lauren you will be happy to know that actually the way this reads is that the shower is for Laura Lauren Brumley and Baby Boy this coming Sunday. So that sounds like it's all happening Sunday. So congratulations on that. We're gonna host a Girls' Day on Saturday, August the 26th. It's designed for girls seventh grade through <clears throat> through college, but more capital, so great emphasis, but All females are welcome. So, you know, all of our ladies, if you'll be there, that'd be a great support to the young girls. Please sign the sheet that's in the foyer back there if you're planning to attend. And this is just a reminder, if you want to be included in the new church directory, your form and picture need to be turned in, more capital letters, great emphasis, now. (laughs) Now. I see Larry Morgan, that's not capitalized, but you know, urgent. See Larry and he will help answer any questions that you might have about it. Okay, we're going to be having a devotional tonight. Ken Scott is gonna be leading our singing, so we'll have a song. And then after that, Cameron Jumper is going to bring us some devotional thoughts. Then Ken will get back up and do an invitation song. And after that, Jerry is gonna lead us in a prayer. And then following the prayer, we'll have another song, at least a verse of that song. If you're one of our teachers, you're invited to go ahead and leave the auditorium to prepare for class. All right, again, thank you so much for being here and let's get our minds set for our devotional period.
1: Good evening. If you will at this time, mark your hymn books to 939. 939. This will be our song of encouragement at our proper time. Then take your hymn books and turn to 643. 643. So glad you decided to be here for the Boonville Church of Christ Wednesday services. So thankful you've made that decision to be here with us and be together. If it's convenient for you, if you would turn to John chapter 15 please and hold that place. We'll look at a passage there in a moment. I'd like to talk to us tonight about being a lighthouse. We think about this great land and the, the shores that surround it. Lighthouses are all throughout. The lighthouses are there for wayfaring strangers and sailors and seamen to find their way if they get out there turned around and that light's there to point them in a direction they should go. We know today when modern electricity came about for many men like George Westinghouse, and Nikola Tesla, Thomas Edison, a lot of that pioneered the way for a new power system we have today. But that's not the lighthouse in power that we're going to talk about. We think about being a lighthouse, the Bible tells us we're to be the light of the world. John 8 chapter 12 says I'm the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness and we know Christ is that perfect example for us to follow there's a story of a child in Scotland set in the 1800s the child woke up was looking out looked outside the window of their cottage and the child was noticing something there was a burst of light about 30 seconds apart alternating sides it was coming closer to their house. The nervous child ran to their parents and walked up and proclaimed to them, someone is punching holes in the darkness. So we think about that child and that simple statement observation from it. What the child was seeing was the gentleman in those days that would fill the street lamps up with oil and light them when the time would come. That was his job each day to go. We think about that statement. That pretty much sums up the life of Christ punching holes in the darkness. The statement pretty much speaks for itself. Everywhere that Christ went, His light remained in a world full of darkness. Revelation twenty one twenty three tells us, And the city had no need of the sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God was there. Oh, to be in the presence of God one day as we think about that. How amazing that will be. First John 2.10 tells us, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. So one way of us abiding in our light is loving our brother. We look at Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. So how do we light our path in this dark world? Of course, through the word. John 12.35 tells us, Jesus said unto the people, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, it tells us, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit for itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am in the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I don't know about you, but I would really like to continue to allow God to be my vine dresser. I would hope that God would continue to prune any vine of me that's not bearing any fruit, as well as I know you would. If we continue to abide in him, we can continue to feed from him. You see, in this world today, when the power goes out and the lights are off, we have no problem admitting that we're in darkness. But when sin slowly creeps into our lives and the iniquities of this world separates us from God, it's not so easy to admit that we're in spiritual darkness. Jesus said, the one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. We need to be light reflectors. We need to be punching holes in the dark everywhere we go. If it's the case today that the world has crept in and dimmed your light, if there's anything we can do, if you're ready to make that step to put on Christ in baptism, come now as we sing this song. of Jesus loves me while the teachers make their way to the classroom 1014
2: 1014 Jesus loves me this I know
1: I believe everybody's getting settled in now. So grateful to be here with you again. So glad you're here. Glad to come together and study God's word again with y'all. Start out as we normally do, any prayer requests, changes, or additions to any updates on anybody. Um, As far as I know, the Galloways and all are still doing well. Anybody have any, any new additions to be made? she went home today is that right? Brother Ken, that was what they had said. Anyone else? Any more? I know we got a lot of stuff coming up with the church, the canoe trip and the the girls day and all that stuff. Need to be mindful of, of all those efforts and the jail ministry as all as we see is it, it's bringing fruit continue to keep all those efforts in mind there's nothing else, we'll go ahead and, in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the cooler temperatures and the beauty of your creation. Lord, we're so thankful for the work you provided us today to go out and, and earn an honest living with our hands, Lord, to provide for our families, and Lord, to continue to, to give of our means to provide for the work of the church. Lord, we're so thankful the many number gathered here We're so thankful the ones with the tender hearts who come to you, Lord. We're so thankful the opportunity and ability to come here in this free land and meet together and open your word. Lord, we pray for the many mentioned of sick, the ones relocating in care facilities. Lord, the ones that are having treatments, the ones that are in doctors' care. Lord, we pray for them. Pray for those doctors and nursing staff. Lord, we pray for strength to them. Lord, we pray for health and healing to the ones in care. Lord, we ask thee to be with us as we continue to proclaim your word. All of the many works that we do in your name, pray, Lord, you'll continue to have your hand in it, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you'll receive all the glory in this. Lord, I ask you to be with us to help continue to keep the light in us as we continue to grow and feed in you and as we go out in this world of darkness, Lord. We pray that, that we'll let our, shine, our light shine to many others. Lord, we ask thee to be with us throughout this hour. Forgive us of our shortcomings, it be thy will. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, chapter four, made it to and just started to begin last week. Oh, we look here in chapter four beginning. The first two verses starts out, states, this is how one should regard us. Those are talking about the regarding us, who are they speaking of here? Apostles. So looking here in how they should regard them as apostles, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So we look here, they state more or less that they should be no more considered than servants of Christ. We look at it also it states that they are the stewards of the mysteries of God. So as stewards, they were left in stuff of their care. We look at verse 2. It says that stewards must be found faithful. Are we stewards today? Absolutely. Are we stewards of stuff physically and spiritually? Absolutely. We look at the things that we're stewards of and accountable. We look in the Bible much areas of that. We look at, we are God's creation. So everything created, He created for us, and we are stewards of it. So anything we can see and touch is in our care. So if we look and think about that, what are some physical things that we personally are, are stewards of on a daily basis? Start with
2: our children.
1: First and foremost, the children. <clears throat> we look continually. to. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, the scripture tells us not to provoke them, bring them up, cause them to uh, a child to wrath. You know, we look as fathers and parents, we have responsibilities to our children in bringing them up. You know, just as we look as elders, you know, they have their responsibilities to the flock. So, as we look at the things that we are stewards of here physically, what are some other things? Stewards our money, our finances. Absolutely. Everything we have. The earth itself. That's right. Just like Mr. Crow, those cattle have to be fed every day, don't they? We think about everything our lakes, our rivers, and streams. A lot goes into conservation, caring for those things. You look at people that hunt and fish, they put a lot into harvesting and managing and doing these things. That's part of our responsibility. Sometimes we don't think about it as much, but it most certainly is. <clears throat> On that point, we look at the topic of the three major institutions that God ordained. What are those three institutions? Church. Home family. One more. Yeah, I would think I'm of the church. You know, think of the government. You know, he instituted laws and other things of it sorry ordained the he ordained the government that's exactly right so we look at that in terms of the home if someone would re- would look up genesis two twenty four, if you would in terms of the home we're to be the leader the provider and the protector in the role as husbands and fathers we look today i believe greatly contributed to the decline of america's morals and standards Contribute a lot to men failing to do their part, even here in Prentice County. I believe it comes all the way here back home. We look at the suffering of things and the failures of men themselves. Um, you know, people want to talk about the women's stuff coming up and doing others. I think that, you know, if men had been doing their jobs, a lot of the issues that we have, you know, women wouldn't have to stand up and do a lot of these things that they're faced to have to do. Many times they have to, to do a lot of that part in the family. Genesis 2.24, 24 someone would.
0: Therefore we shall a man leave his father and his
1: mother and shall believe unto his wife and shall be <coughs> one flesh. Leave, mother, and father, come together one flesh. We look at Scripture so rich of all of these things we look to, to do to dive in. If someone would look up Genesis 9, verse 6, please. We look at our government, the establishment of what it started from and what it's become today. It's far from perfect, but when we look at other countries, I believe that we still are better off than a lot of people. How can we individuals, people and Christians, be good stewards in the government? What do we have rights to exercise that we can do? Vote. How should we vote? Vote for the right people. Right people that has godly things in mind. We can exercise our First Amendment rights. Every one of us. Many people have bled and died for these rights for us. It would be a shame for us to let them go <clears throat> from all that. What's another great thing we can do for our leaders of the government? Pray. We may not agree completely, may not lie completely, but we need to pray for them because they're leading the country that we love. <clears throat> we come back down and look at the church. If someone would look at Ephesians 2, verses 20, if you'd locate that, please. In the church, we all can do our part, right? What all things could we do more and do in being good stewards of the church? We pray for the leaders of the church just as well, can't we? Every day. day. Especially the great burden elders and teachers and, you know, lots of things go on that takes much planning. There's so many people that does work behind the scenes that may not get the credit that they... Might deserve or might see, you know, that we can pray for those small people that's doing work that may seem meaningless to us but has great, great value in the work of the church. We can be the hands and feet of Christ, you know. We look at so many works of doing that, showing that love. You know, as we go spreading the gospel and word, we have to have the people there to hear the word. So if we draw them in, show them the love that can be had, and we teach them the word, we'll come closer than any other way of converting them. Whoever has that passage, if you would read that, please. You said what? You
2: say Genesis
1: two. It was Ephesians 2, verse 20. Ephesians 2, oh, verse 20. I'm sorry. forgot had It's all built on Christ, all comes to him. He's the chief of it all. Verses three verses, verses three through six it says, "But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his combination from God. Scripture tells us light and darkness has no communion. If you have a room full of darkness, you flip that switch. What happens to the darkness? It vanishes instantly. You got a coyote or a fox or something in your front yard. As soon as you come out to the front door, light comes on, they're gone. You know, we think about these in the example of it. Matthew ten twenty six tells us about that fear. It says, fear not what man can do unto you. It goes on and says, you know, we should be more fearful of who can destroy our body and our soul. You know, we think about this earthly fears and worries and stuff we have. If we have our mind towards heaven, a lot of the other things won't have as much time to enter and trouble us. Verses 4, just because we don't see the folly in our ways does not make it okay. You know, he stated here, he said, I'm not aware of anything of myself. And then continued on. He said, but I'm not thereby acquitted. You know, just because we don't see or understand or notice the things, you know, a lot of times it's easier to see the problem in other people's lives. I am in chapter 4, First Corinthians chapter 4. You know, it's easier, you know, it talks about the bean, the moat, the log, and the eye. Comparison of it, we look at it, it's, it's so much easier for us to, to notice and do those. It starts with us. We're the ones that we'll be responsible for. As we look about this and look at these verses in the text of it, did the author of this book have a clear conscience when he was persecuting Christians? He did. He did. If we would, go ahead, I'm sorry. Absolutely. You know, we look at this and look at God's Word and the plans He has for us, the plans He had for Saul and Paul here. Isn't the grandeur of God's plan so amazing? You know, it's hard for them at this time to understand all these things. If we would, let's let's all turn together to Acts chapter 8, if you would. Here in Acts chapter 8, who did God send to Saul? Ananias. He sent Ananias. Was he happy about it? What did Ananias have to say? Been persecuting Christians. Verse 813 he says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. You know, you can imagine how hard it was for Ananias to comprehend what God was doing, what his purpose was. Today, we look at our lives and things that's happening. It's so hard for us to understand why these things are happening. What's the purpose? We can't see that full picture. What did God say to Ananias after he had this response? Verse 16, he says, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. You know, we look at at Stephen's last words. Stephen's last words at the end of chapter 7. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, I would dare say that these words come to Paul's mind pretty often, wouldn't y'all? You can imagine the guilt pushing through each day, dealing with that. That's right. He was there. We look here on the account in verse 8. It says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. Saul was entering the houses after houses. And he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So we look here the author of this book, The Man He Was Before, we look at the account of this you know we think about in life when things are happening we stop you know we stop to focus about things a lot of times we wonder about the why but we'd be much better off if we would focus on the no knowing that God is in total control and that He has a plan for us the Bible tells us seek ye what? first. Seek ye first the kingdom. And then after this, what all these things will be added to you that they're talking about? Whatever we need, these physical things, what we're wearing, what we're eating. If we'll seek first, those things that we stress about every day won't be a problem. It's simple, but it's hard for us to grasp that and to live it and do it. Verses 6 and 7 back at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, I have plied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers. That you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? There's an old saying that an old gentleman told me a long time ago. He said, if you're driving down the road and you see a turtle up on a fence post, what can you gather from that observation? Somebody put him there. We think about that each other and as men and other brethren. We need to be careful not to put people higher than the word says. Not to put, <clears throat> in this case, a turtle on the fence post. There's no teams and favorites in the church. We're all one. We all love each other. We're all to be striving towards that same goal. Anybody have any input, questions, or comments on any of this? We've got a whole lot more wisdom in here than me, I know. Moving on to verse chapter, chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. He had a pretty good bit to say there in the comparison. What do you feel the point here is he's trying to get across using this pretty strong language? What distinction do you think he's trying to make in this passage? Had a hard way to go. That's right. You know, the back part of that, we look at Christ and what He suffered, and then now they're suffered. We're promised. That's right. You know, you get to a point, you know, of looking at things and being content. You look at them, what they're going through. He's explaining this to them. You know, as Christians, you know, they, you know, Christ said if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you as we go through this. He looks at what they're suffering and will continue to suffer um, as he goes here and breaks this down to them. You know, we look at the Passover feast and the unleavened bread, you know, removing from the house and the other stuff. Look at the significance um, of these days. The apostles come through and we talked again about them being servants. You know, we're no better than our master. You know, servants will suffer of it. Moving on to verse 15. He says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ through the gospel. When he makes this comparison here, being their Father in Christ through the Gospel. What relationship comparison does he more or less saying between him and the people? You know, he looks about there be many many instructors, but not many fathers. You know, after Christ ascended, the apostles were left here. Now that all the apostles are gone, we're here as Christians, we have the Word that remains on. The Scripture tells us not to refer to people as father in a spiritual sense. There's only one father. If someone would look up Matthew 23, verse 9, please. Matthew 23, verse 9. As we get to verse 17, Timothy kind of comes in on the scene. He says, That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ." So as we look at Timothy here, there's a couple passages. I was going to look at on uh, him and his mindset and always his willingness to go where he was sent. Someone has that Matthew 23, verse 9, if you'd read that, please. So we look at that reverential Naming of someone, father. We look here in that aspect um, of to do that in the in the scripture. There, in Acts nineteen verses twenty-two, we look at account of Timothy. In verse twenty-two, it says, "And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while." Philippians. Um, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, if someone would look at that. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12. Go
2: ahead.
1: Yes, sir. In Philippians 1, we look in verse 2. He says, Grace to you and peace from the Lord God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 19, He says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So we look here at Timothy. You know, it seems that he was always sent, accompanied. You know, we look at a lot of of the work he did, always in obedience to the Word. In chapter 4, 1 Corinthians, back in verse 21, we look here. In... You know we look at standing on the strength of the gospel and of that the fact is the word has not changed the world has changed greatly how much has the world changed in your lifetime it's almost a different place but to have an unchanging message unchanging world and unchanging unchanging leader we have in christ absolutely you know as we look to you know as everything bends and tries to go towards the crowd and do these things, it's it's you know it's essential to continue to hold fast to the scripture and not waver in it. In verses chapter four, verses twenty-one, he says, What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or love in a spiritual gentleness? You know, in this This comparison here is, to them, a spiritual father. You know, we look at Timothy, to him, he called him his son. What do you refer to him as his son in? Son in Christ, son in the faith. You look at this, as he comes to them, the representation is him being their leader. The reply of this relationship in the Corinthians, he's coming to them at the beginning of the book, you know, he's correcting them, he's chastising them. But what's his motive in coming to do this? He's trying to get them back to Christ. We're all on the clock and we don't ever know when that clock's going to end. You know, as we come through, even as a child, we look at correction. Sometimes it's hard to accept it and understand where it's coming from. But the truth in love continues and we all, all need it. Any more comments, any inputs to the end of that or section of chapter 4 that anybody has? As we start into chapter 5, we look here, he's dealing with another issue as we change gears. Now what's the problem he's dealing with in the church? Sexual immorality. Do we have sexual immorality today? You know we think about things and we think it's worse we think others we look all the way back at genesis we look at sodom and gomorrah the fact is it was as bad then as it is now i think today there's less shame less guilt it's more promoted the social media is everywhere it's more publicized if you were three thousand miles away back then Only the people traveling could bring word to know what was going on there. No videos, no pictures. Today it's everywhere from our children, you know. Talk about as parents and stewards and responsibilities. Our responsibility is great today with our children. We've got to be proactive, got to be involved. We have to get in and understand what's going on here. You know, we look at our leaders in the school. Man, the stuff that they have to deal with versus just from when I was a child. It's crazy. It's awful. Sexual immorality. The broad spectrum of the sin as we have today was going on in Corinth here. As we start here in the first verse, he tells them, he said, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man that has his father's wife. So in the first part of that statement, he says it is actually reported. What does that let us know that's going on back to Paul? It is known. So much that even they're going and telling him about it. He hasn't yet made it there. And he's already hearing about what's going on. If it's that open that the word's carrying, you can imagine within the city, how it's going. Apparently, they're not hiding it. Apparently, it's not shameful enough for them to do it in a dark corner or other place. That it's broadly transparent and known. We look at the definition of fornication sexual interaction between people not married to one another. We look at many different forms of of it going on outside of marriage there's no place for it if someone would look at Matthew 19 9 and someone else Hebrews 13 4 please Matthew 19 9 Hebrews 13 4 marriage is honorable undefiled we think about undefiled it's an honorable thing between a man and a woman delegated by God. We look at the things ordained by God we just talked about, the marriage, the family, the home. It's sacred, and the damage is great when it's broken apart. We see it today, see it, you know, seems more rampant today, but it's always been. The damage has always been there. Matthew nineteen nine.
0: Five, except for sexual immorality and marriage another commits adultery, and whoever marries her, who is divorced, commits adultery.
1: So we see that not only there's only one cause for it, we look at the partaker in it, becomes entangled in that sin as well. Hebrews thirteen verse four. pretty strong language and shows the seriousness of sin. Verse 2, it says, And you are arrogant. Ought not you rather to mourn? Let him who has done this to be removed from among you. I like the way the the other translation was read. I was going to read this in the NIV as well. Chapter 5, verses 2. It says, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? You know, we think about this and problems and issues in the church, some pretty strong things, and the sin brings about men having to do hard things. We look at this fellowship, another. It's tough, it's hurtful, it's painful. But it all originates and comes from sin. Would it not be from sin, it would be irrelevant. We look also, as we go to verse 3, it says, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord your boasting is not good do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump we think about that term a little leaven leavens the whole lump in today's terms what are they trying to say? Friends. what's another term a lot of the old folks used to say about fruit Bad apples pull a whole barrel. you know we look at that in the bad just as much as the good. The good spreads as well. You know, we look at spending so much time about talking not about the bad. We need to promote the good, spread it, whether it's in our home, youth group, church in the workplace, wherever it is. We're to be that lighthouse. We need to be shining. You know we talked about the good deeds and the other things of to do to spread the light of Christ daily prayers pray without ceasing the more we have our mind on things meditating on God's Word you know we look at the world we live in the cesspool and all the things going on it's it's so easy to get tangled up and caught in these things seek ye first what kingdom of God we continue to seek towards that kingdom and keep our mind on that, we'll be much ahead. Yes, sir. church In the name of the Lord Jesus, we're commanded to do a lot of things in the name of the Lord Jesus. But we take, we take it as
2: a body, as a church, by all of the non-contact gifts, the Holy Brotherhood. Do we really take that seriously?
1: I don't think so at all. You know, we we think about it in that aspect. You know, when the police holler at people, what do they say? Stop in the name of who? The name of the law. You know, we look at baptizing in the name of Christ, all these other things. But to J.T.'s point, we look at this in correction of other. We don't look at it with the whole bound authority of Christ being behind it. And it's so easy when we're doing these things of it not to be something of ourselves, Anything personal, anything spiteful. Just like we were seeing, you know, the moat in somebody else's eye. We need to make sure our eyes clean first. First and foremost. You know, we don't need to be doing any cleaning until ours is cleaned. Um, but that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. In that aspect of it, no, we don't. In correction, you know, the Scriptures profitable for doctrine and correction, instruction of righteousness. We don't think about that in expressing those things in the name of God. That's a good point. It is. It's tough. And at times when the church has to do this, you know, the burden on the men having to do it, you know, it's... Uh, and you look at other people might shame them for their, of doing it, but doing it for the right reason, the instruction of God, you know, it's It's scriptural. All right, well, that is about time. we got about 20 seconds left. Any questions or comments, anything to add on JT's point there? If not, we will dismiss. I enjoyed it and appreciate y'all's attention.